you allow him to turn the corner, mama, there goes that man. Puts up the shot. It's good. Kyrie Irving. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like NBA basketball. Oh, boy. Welcome, everyone, to the First Pick Podcast, your source for NBA news-related content. Thanks for listening. Welcome, everyone, back to another episode of the First Pick Podcast. Before we start anything, I want to say thank you, everyone, that shared, liked, followed the first episode. Hopefully, first of many. I really do appreciate you guys. And for something like this that's just starting new, I really want to try to get it right. And I've been going in and out of different ideas, but I really do like what I'm doing here so far. And I hope you guys do, too. I hope you guys enjoy the content. More content this summer. We're going to be going over free agency in the next couple episodes. What I think every NBA team should do. We're going to be going over the logistics and the amount of money they have in free agency. And then we'll do team reviews once every team is kind of set in stone coming up for the regular season. I really do appreciate you guys taking this ride with me. Without further ado, what we're going to be doing today is the post-lottery section of the mock draft that I conducted. Picks 15 through 30. Now, normally when you do something like this, picks 15 through 30 are extremely wild. And as we're itching closer to the NBA draft, which is coming up June 22nd, there are these guys that will be falling and these guys that will be rising out of nowhere. But I tried my best to look at the current situation that these teams are in, picking in these situations. And I do feel like I hopefully am a bit spot on. Obviously, we will be coming out with a different variation of the mock draft. The Mock Draft 2.0, which will be coming out sometime in the next two weeks before the actual NBA draft commences. And then we'll be doing a lottery and an NBA draft analysis once that happens and seeing where everyone, what happened draft night and everything. Without further ado, let's get it started with pick 15 here. The Atlanta Hawks, I have them selecting GG Jackson, the youngest player in the draft, a 6'9", 2'15", combo forward. You can even play a Magger small ball five. What I really liked and what stood out to me about Gigi Jackson is he's really mobile for his size. He reclassified to join South Carolina a year earlier. And one, he did have a bit of struggle coming in at the beginning. He was not that great of an offensive player. He had an inconsistent shot. He did not have the best measurables at the combine. But something that I really thought stood out to me was his handle for his size and just the sheer scoring potential that he brought. There were some games in South Carolina where he went unconscious and he was able to carry the team on his back. And I do feel like a team like Atlanta that has a really nice core coming off their bench on Yeka, Kongu, Jalen Johnson, Bogdan Bogdanovich, they can, and even the starting line of DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, Clint Capella, those are guys that he can really work with, just forwards that are really 3 and D. And I think Gigi Jackson cannot go to any other place that provides that type of mentorship for him. He goes to a win-now situation in Atlanta where they want to make their star Trey Young happy. And I think Gigi Jackson can really learn on the fly. I think playing at South Carolina a year earlier really did hinder his growth. But I do feel like he's the type of player that can definitely take the experience he got from college and really develop into something nice for Atlanta. At number 16, the Utah Jazz are picking here, and I had them picking Taylor Hendricks a forward. This pick at 16, I'm going to have them taking a point guard, combo guard, Jalen hood Shafino, one of my favorite players of this draft as well. He is a 
really shifty, but plays at his own pace. And that's something that you really admire at Indiana. He was able to conduct that offense with the lack of shooting around him, which is admirable. At times, himself was an inconsistent shooter and his defense wasn't all the way there. And he is not the most gifted athletically, but just the fact that he's able to run an offense at that level, he has great hype for him. He doesn't get pushed around a lot. He actually does most of the pushing. He reminds me a lot of Mike Conley, which already played for Utah. You need someone that's going to be able to set up for Colin Sexton, Laurie Markinen, Taylor Hendricks, and Walker Kessler. And I think Jalen Huchifino does that perfectly. If you develop incorrectly, can definitely be a starting point guard in this NBA. I really do like Jalen Huchifino going here. At 17 here, I have the Los Angeles Lakers, and they're going to be picking up best fit with Jet Howard, son of Juwan Howard out of Michigan. He's a 6'8 wing. He's a really good shooter for his height. He's a really decent defender for his height, and he has a really good handle for his height. He is a 6'8 wing. The Lakers at times ran lineups where they have three, four guards out there at one time. Jed Howard provides size for them. And in today's league, as I mentioned in the previous episode, it's a wing league. And I think Jed Howard fits that perfectly. He's a guy that does a little bit of everything. When he committed towards Michigan at the beginning of the college year, he was one of the top recruits in the nation. He had a couple health issues, a couple health concerns, and it kind of dropped his draft stock a bit, but I do think he's going to a perfect situation here in LA. He can slide into the backup small forward. God be any injuries happen. He's able to step into the starting lineup and provide good minutes. I do like the fit here with Jet Howard here in the Lakers. At number 18, I have Bryce Sensible for the Miami Heat, a 6'6", 235, already NBA ready player out of the Ohio State. Miami Heat are in the finals right now. And for them to have pick 18 is a blessing in disguise. They can get a really solid player. This draft is extremely deep. I would honestly be surprised if Bryce Sensible is still here at 18. But if he is, Miami definitely needs to get him. He played a little bit of power forward, so he's undersized at that position. But if it's anything Miami has showed us is they can play a bunch of undrafted guys and make them look like all-stars. Bryce Sensible already looks like an all-star without stepping into the NBA Bryce Sensible here, he's a great three-level scorer, and he gets to his spots. He's a little on the older side of the draft when it comes to the ages, but he has a great handle for his size. He's a decent defender, and in his college tapes, he did not have a real ability to chuck up a lot of three-point shots, but in his workouts, in his pro days, he's shown the ability to make and take three-point shots, and he's really, really good at it. So, Right now, I do have him going here at 18 to Miami because we do see at times Miami's offense is very stagnant. If they can add another guy like Bryce Hensible that can get them a bucket in times of need, I do think that he definitely fits that. Now, one thing I can for sure tell you guys that will be on the next mock draft, Bryce Hensible will not be here at number 18. But for the purpose of the first mock draft that we're doing, he'll be slotted here at 18 for Miami. Another really solid player that I think will be here and available for the Golden State Warriors is Chris Murray, a 6'8", 220. He's a plug-in player, just like his brother Keegan. Keegan was taken fourth last year uh, in the NBA draft, and he helped Sacramento be an efficient, really great 40% three-point shooter. 
And I think Chris Murray probably won't do that to that extent, but he is that type of player as well. You plug him into your system, and because the Warriors shoot so many threes, I think that'll fix his volume problems that people had. He didn't take that many, but I think if he goes into a system like Golden State that expects him to take a lot of three-pointers, I think that shores up some of his problems. He's a really good defender. He tries. He has really good size, and he's a really good rebounder for his height. He lacks a bit of athleticism, just like his brother. He lacks a little bit of ball handling just like his brother but at the end of the day he's a plug-in player you don't really expect him to have a ball handle or to go 94 feet and go coast to coast and dunk on somebody you kind of just expect him to play his 3 and D role and I think he really fits Golden State that really really well number 20 I have the Houston Rockets here and they'll be selecting Leonard Miller I had them taking earlier in the draft Jarese Walker, who was my biggest riser of the draft. But Leonard Miller here is a 6'10", another forward like Jarese Walker, but they're completely different players. Leonard Miller is a defensive monster. I compared him to Jared Vanderbilt, a player that can really stick him on the best offensive player on the other end, and he'll probably do a really good job in the future. He has a really nice handle for his 6'10 height, and he's a really good finisher. My only problem with this is his shot creation. Obviously, he played in the G League, which is a big step more than these collegiate players, but I do think that in order for him to become maybe in the top 20, not be at 20, but be in the top 20, is going to be his shot creation. If he can end up creating shots for himself off the dribble and such. But as a player of right now, if Houston decides to go the James Harden route, the ball will not be in anyone's hands but James Harden. And I do feel like Leonard Miller, they do need a plus defender and Leonard Miller can really be that. I don't know if he could be that in his first year. You might be putting too much trust in him, especially because he'll be taken in the 20s. But this draft class is really deep. Every player in the first round can arguably have a really solid impact on that team's rotation. And Leonard Miller is no different. I do think that he'll struggle a bit in the beginning, but because of his G League ability and the fact that he played in the G League, um, it's just going to do wonders for him and make that transition so much more easier for him. I really do like this fit. Another guy that I have here for Brooklyn here at 21 is Kobe Bufkin. He's a 6'5", 195, one of the lighter people in this year's draft. But he's a combo guard from Michigan. He is one of the best scorers, pure scorers in this draft. He's a great handle for his size. He's extremely shifty and creative. The more and more I see his tapes and I talk about Kobe Bufkin, the more I believe that he will be in the top 18 in this draft. Um, his frame is something that you worry about, but obviously with a couple of NBA off seasons and uh, NBA weight training, hopefully he can develop some sort of frame. His defensive effort is something that you look at and you can kind of question, but so far in these workouts and these pre-draft pro days, he's been doing excellent. His consistency is something that you really got to look at as well, but you hope that once he gets to the NBA, he can string a couple good games together. He reminds me a lot of a Tyrese Maxey and an Emmanuel quickly. He's just a scorer and you can bring him off your bench. And there are times in the playoffs this year where we saw teams get bailed out with a great performance off the bench. Kobe Buffkin can definitely be that. And a team like Brooklyn, who is starting this restart, if I can say, because they got great calls for Kyrie and for Kevin Durant. I think that Kobe Buffkin fits in right away and can definitely be a, a really good scorer for Brooklyn this upcoming season. Number 22, Bilal Kulababi. Brooklyn has back-to-back picks here. And I think they can't go wrong with both of these. Bilal Kulababi will be someone who will, in the next mock draft, most likely be a lot higher. Teammate of Victor Wembenyama, he's a 6'7 wing. He has great potential, and he showed that. Right now in France, they're in the middle of their tournament, 
and he just had a great performance in the semifinals. One of the leading scorers in that game showed his three-point ability, showed his defensive instinct, and for him to be the one of the youngest players in the draft and still be able to showcase that, I would not be surprised if he's taken in the lottery. He has a great shooting form. Obviously, his cons were his consistency and his frame. But because of the stuff that he's been doing over there in France, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes higher. For the meantime, we're going to have him here going to Brooklyn at 22, which I do feel like is his lowest in the draft. He will not pass this um, slot here, pass Brooklyn, especially because they have back-to-back picks. He reminds me a lot of an OG Ananobi, and I do think that he can definitely grow into that role once coming in the NBA and getting some weight training and such. Number 23 here, I have another who's been rising up draft boards Derek Live. he is a 7-1 center 230 pounds center out of Duke he's just an uber athletic center already ready NBA frame he came into Duke from high school as one of the best prospects in the draft had an injury in between the summer of his high school and his first season at Duke but he came back he changed his whole game up and still led the whole NCAA in blocks per game he had two and a half blocks per game obviously you worry about his offensive limitations he was a lot of a catch the lob type of guy standing and dunking running but in his pro days with clutch sports he's been showing a three-point shot which has really been surprising he actually just worked out for the los angeles lakers who have the 17th pick so i really wouldn't be surprised if Derek lively ends up going in the top 20 if he can develop some sort of playmaking and outside shot obviously we are all super in awe with nikola Jokic over there in denver not saying anyone can be that but if you can develop some sort of playmaking and maybe just a set shot That'd be really nice coming from your center position, but he's already a great center. I compared him to JaVale McGee because they have so many similarities, and I really do think that he can already play that role already day one of the NBA for sure. Number 24, the Sacramento Kings. I have them taking Noah Clownley, a 6'10", 2'10", power forward center from Alabama. I really like Noah Clownley. I think he has enormous potential. He has a great shooting motion. He's a Swiss Army knife on defense. And he's a really great rebounder. And I think a team like Sacramento, who got bullied on the rebounds at times in Golden State, in that Golden State series, having a guy like Noah Clownley who can get you five rebounds in 10 minutes can probably be the difference maker. Gets you those extra possessions. Noah Clownley is really mobile for his position. And I just think the good shooting motion for Noah Clownley is something that we really need to look at and something that can possibly translate really well into the NBA. You worry about his weight. He's a 210, 610 guy. So you want him to put on a couple more muscle but besides that you can also look at his poor free throw shooting which kind of you don't know what to take whether his good shooting motion or his poor free throw shooting but I think Sacramento swings for the fences here and they go for the power forward or just big man that's really mobile and hopefully his sh- the good shooting motion outweighs the poor shooting of the free throws number 25 here the Memphis Grizzlies are picking here and I think they need a new wing I think Derek Whitehead can step in he is a Duke guy which In case no one knows, Duke is one of the best college programs in producing NBA talent. And Derek Whitehead can be just a part of that lineage. He's a great shooter. He's remotely athletic from his injury that he suffered earlier in the season. And he has microwave scoring potential. Memphis really did struggle in the wing department when Dylan Brooks was extremely inefficient in the playoffs. Granted, he provided good enough defense he was not able to score on the other end. And a guy like Derek Whitehead, he might not be the best defender, but he is able to open up the floor on offense. And I do think that can be a difference maker in a playoff series. Obviously, you look at that injury that happened at the beginning of Duke. He came into Duke as an uber-athletic, 
above the rim type of score, but post his injury, he was more of a shooter. But just the fact that he was able to shoot a really good high percentage at Duke, hopefully that translates well into the NBA. And then with a couple of NBA offseason trainings and getting with NBA doctors, he can hopefully regain some of that athleticism again. I really do like this pick for Memphis. At number 26, I have another riser here. A lot of mocks had him going in the second round, but I do have Bobby Clintman here from Wake Forest, a 6'10 power forward center, 225. He had a really small offensive role over there in, in Wake Forest. He averaged, I want to say, less than six or seven points per game. Really, really low minutes, but he had a shooting ability. He has positional versatility, and he has a defensive ability. Obviously, when I'm listing all these pros, you wonder why is he not higher in the draft? A lot of cons come with him as well. One is his lack of playing time and the lack of numbers that he put up, his athletic ability and his consistency that coincides with that lack of playing time. If he develops into the player, I think he can develop into. You're looking at a Robert Covington, Christian Wood-esque player. And Indiana's building something really nice over there. And I really do put a lot of trust in Tyrese Halliburton to get these other guys involved. And I think Bobby Clintman next to Miles Turner is a really nice defensive duo. Both can stretch the floor and just leaves a lot of space on offense for the people to drive and kick. And they'll be looking really nice over there in Indiana. At 27 here, the Charlotte Hornets, I have them taking another project player, but one of the least project players, if that makes any sense. Maxwell Lewis, he's a 6'7 wing from Pepperdine. He has a great frame. He's 6'7", really long wingspan. He has a really nice shooting motion. He shot the ball at a really good clip, and he really does try on defense. You can just tell from his film. He tries to jump the passing lanes. He tries to stay in front of his defender. He puts in the extra effort. Some of his cons, though, is his weight. He's 195 at 6'7". You want him to put that up a bit. And his level of competition. When you hear of collegiate basketball, you don't think of Pepperdine, but he still showcased his talent a lot. I think that Charlotte is in a space where they're doing a soft rebuild they were just in the plan a couple seasons ago they missed the plan because of injuries this year but I do think that Maxwell Lewis is a player that could definitely get you a couple buckets barring any injuries and I do think he's an NBA ready player I think if everything goes well opening night he can get five to 15 minutes on the court and he can definitely be a plus on offense and maybe even defense obviously you worry about the consistency with him because of the level of competition but obviously we're looking at potential here and I do think Charlotte gets their wing of the future here in Maxwell Lewis at number 28 the Utah Jazz I have them taking Ryan Rupert a 6'6 185 which is actually the lightest in the draft he is from France but played in the NBL the Australian Professional League He's a really, really good player. He's a great defender. He's a secondary playmaker, which essentially means once he gets that first pass, he's able to read the cutters. He's ready to read who's open at the three-point line, and he can really make that pass at an effective rate. He's really lengthy for his position. He has one of the highest wingspans in this draft. Some of his cons are his offensive limitations, his consistency, and his injury history. He had a couple of injuries that might have hindered him, but I do believe that his shooting, on the other hand, can come around. I think that Utah is building something where they have multiple scores at every position and multiple defenders. And a guy like Ryan Rupert, who's a secondary playmaker, 
and can handle the ball a little bit, can definitely thrive in a system like that with guys that can stretch the floor around him. He can definitely drive in, make the simple pass, or he can drive in, get a layup. I do think Utah can definitely take a really good look at Ryan Rupert and definitely develop him into a really nice player. At 29 here, I have another project player. I have City Sissoko from the G League Ignite. He's a 6'8", 200-pound wing. Obviously, these guys that come out of the G League Ignite squad come in with a huge advantage. They're already playing against NBA-level competition and NBA-ready bodies. But I do think that City had a really good shooting performance in the sense of he was a really great catch-and-shooter but his off-the-dribble scoring was something that you really got to hope he improves on. And I think Indiana, they can really take time to develop him in systems like that, have him become a secondary playmaker or even a third playmaker, someone that can score in bunches for them. At times, he was careless with the ball, which is something you really hope he doesn't translate that into the NBA. He averaged an alarming amount of turnovers, which is something you hope he works on as well. And you want to see how he works with contact. At times, watching his film, there were times where he was very not shy from contact, but he would drive in the paint and he would get contact and just completely miss his target. And I do feel like if he works on that, his scoring in the paint, that opens up his whole game as a catch and shooter and such. And I really do like the potential there for City Sissoko. At 30 here, the Los Angeles Clippers, I have them taking James Naji, a 6'10", 200-pound center from Nigeria. He plays in the FC Barcelona club for basketball. He's a really NBA-ready player. He's a lob catcher. He has a great shot blocking tendency to him. My only cons to him is he is your traditional center, just extremely athletic. He has no outside game. He's a 50% free throw shooter, and he got a really low amount of minutes over there at FC Barcelona. The Clippers at times when Evita Zubak was off the court lacked size. Thank God they got Mason Plumley because that really did allow them. But if they feel like Mason Plumley was not the answer. James Naji can come in and he can be a really athletic guy who can catch lobs, stay with perimeter defenders, and he can block a lot of shots. You can even have him come in this year, assuming you bring back Mason Plumley and have him be a third string guy that you develop. I really do like the fit there for the Clippers. Anyway, thank you guys so much for watching the post lottery part of my mock draft 1.0 here at the first pick podcast. I really do appreciate you guys giving me a listen. And I'll be seeing you guys soon. Thank you.